0: Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, as this day we celebrate the baptism of your Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, we are reminded of our own baptisms, where indeed you said yes to each and every one of us. You wrote your names on our hearts and on our lives and call us to be your children and to live no longer for ourselves, but for him who died for us. Father, we pray, empower us by your Holy Spirit. Lift us up, encourage us, and walk with us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. We are in the season of Epiphany, that season of God being revealed to us in flesh, the word of God, became flesh to dwell among us full of grace and truth and we know his name and his name is Jesus we skip a lot though because last week we were talking about Jesus being about a year old or so and the magi from the east coming to offer their gifts to him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh and now we've fast-forwarded about 30 years And we're at the baptism of Jesus in the Jordan River. And everybody goes, whoa, 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 whoa. What about the years in between? Well, unfortunately, with the exception of one story, the scriptures are silent about the life of Jesus for those 30-some years. Anybody remember what the story is, when he uh, ditched his parents and stayed behind in Jerusalem in the temple, speaking with, teaching, and learning from all of the learned people there. Then he was about that rebellious teenager age when he did that. But that's all we know. People say, why don't we know anymore? The Gospels were not intended to be a life biography. They were intended rather to show us who this Son of God is and what he came to do. And so we focus not so much on his childhood, but rather on his ministry. And it is in baptism that his ministry begins. This is the time period we might point to in scripture where the days of the prophets of old come to an end and the days of the Messiah, the promised one of God, whom the prophets have been foretelling, begins. It's a new beginning. And it makes sense for us. We read in our gospel lesson that as Jesus is baptized, The heavens are open to him. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. It is one of those places in Scripture where we see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit together in one place, in one account. It's a reminder to us at the beginning of his ministry as Messiah that we see the Trinity in all of its form and at the very end as Christ ascends into heaven and we'll celebrate that after Easter that we once again hear him telling us Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And so we begin to see that baptism is central to our lives as disciples of Jesus Christ and as believers. just as christ begins with baptism and ends with baptism so also do we some of you who have been to funerals here at christ lutheran where we have the casket out you'll be reminded of baptism because we cover the caskets with what's called a baptismal pall, a reminder that we are a baptized child of god We begin our lives of faith in baptism, and we go home to heaven in the promises of baptism. We know how central it is also because Paul talks about baptism in so many ways. We see it in our lesson today from Romans chapter 6, this discussion of baptism and about being raised from the dead. And so in baptism, we consider ourselves Being buried with Christ, being baptized into his his death, and being raised again into newness of life. It's a picture of of the reminder of the death of Jesus Christ that we are crucified with Christ into death. When he went to the cross, it's as if we went there with him, but he suffered. And like the disciples of old, we watch. He's the one who has the nails driven through his hands and through his feet. He's the one whose blood is shed for us. But as we stand there watching him take our punishment and our sin upon himself, the scriptures remind us that we are washed clean That our sin is washed away, that we are washed as white as the pure driven snow by the very blood of the Lamb Himself. Wow. Think about it. Blood washing something white. Any of you ever bleed over something? A shirt. That happened a lot when I was younger. <laughs> Try to get that blood out. How easy is that? I see gentlemen are going <laughs> The ladies are going to get a blood stain out, isn't it? To me, that's a reminder that when Christ washes us clean with His blood, that we are stained with His blood. That it's His blood that covers the multitude of our sins. But in the Jewish understanding, the blood had to be shed to pay the price for the sins that were committed. Paul understands that. He uses these words from Galatians. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ, and so it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In other words, when we are crucified with Christ, that description that Paul gives to us in a plethora of places in the New Testament, by the way, that's been my word for the week, plethora. A multitude of places where Paul's talking about which tells us that Paul sees this as so vitally important. That when we are crucified with Christ, it's no longer us who live, but Christ who lives in and through us. In other words, we're changed people. That's what the power of the Word does. That's what the power of the Spirit working through the waters of baptism does. It changes us. So that as we hear in Scripture, we live no longer for ourselves, but for Christ who died for us. In other words, our very wills should be shaped by God. That's why we pray it. Thy will be done. That our lives be molded, that our paths be placed before us by God who guides us to live in this world. Not for the things of the world, but rather for his kingdom. It's an understanding that Paul himself came to as he was confronted by Christ on that road to Damascus and who suffered a blindness until Ananias came to baptize him. And he began to see clearly who this Christ is. We live no longer for ourselves, but for Christ who died for us. I think it's personal to Paul, and that's why he writes about it so often, and it should be personal to us as well. For in baptism, Christ has put his name on our hearts and our lives, and so the life that we now live, as Paul writes, the life that we now live in the flesh, we live by faith in Jesus Christ who died and who rose again for each and every one of us. We live for Christ who loves us and gave himself for us. That's the true Christmas gift. It's that gift of salvation that comes in the name of Jesus Christ. And so we should live in ways that we don't uh, diminish the grace of God or take the grace of God for granted But rather, we live in a way that exemplifies Christ and shares the grace of Christ with the lives of people around us, a life of love and mercy and forgiveness. It's not always easy to do because the devil is working overtime to drive us away from that understanding of the cross. The devil's very good about understanding our sinful human nature, and so he begins to work in the lives of people by going, oh, you're not good enough for Jesus. You never do anything right. If you go to church, the roof would cave in. Who do you think you are? you got to live better. you got to be better. Someone once said to me, Pastor, you do the devil awful well. <laughs> I, I don't know if that was a compliment or what, but you think about it, We've heard the words. We've heard the lies. And the reality is, is that that's exactly what they are. Because you see, God knew we can't ever be good enough. God knows that we can't ever do it all right. God knows that we can't ever earn it. He knows that we can never measure up to His high bar of expectations. And that's why He sent Jesus to die. That's why He sent Jesus to suffer and to die for us, to pay the price of our sins so that we could be dead to sin, dead to the impact of sin, death, uh, uh, dead to the, the hold of sin on our lives, and dead to the powers of Satan. dissuade, deflect, and destroy. We are dead to all of that because of what Christ did on the cross. And because of that, we are alive in Christ. Because he has risen from the dead and we too have new life in him. That's the word of hope. So... As Paul closes his lesson to us today, he says, you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. And that means each and every day we live as people who are alive in Christ. Our hope is not in the world, but in Him. Our strength is not in the things around us, but in Him. Our life is in Him. Death is Disease, illness, sin have no hold over us because we are in Christ Jesus here today and for all of eternity. We are alive in Christ. And for that, we worship and praise him. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all of our human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the true faith of God in Christ Jesus, and to life everlasting, amen.